This is Sports Best, presented by Reposted on the Reposted Podcast Network. Coming at you like a Jamaican hurdler, Hansel Parchment, finding a volunteer that paid for his cab. He is Larry Holloway Olson, and I am Andrew. Let's just take the next bus, Keller. Did you hear the story about the uh, gold medal winner who uh, took a cab to his race? What? So the guy from Jamaica who ended up winning the 110-meter hurdles, who wow. upset American runner uh, Grant Holloway, took the wrong bus and ended up at the wrong venue. And the organizers are like, well, you need to take another bus. And he's like, if I did that, I wasn't going to get there in time. He tracked down a volunteer. She gave him cab fare, and he made it in time to upset American runner Holloway. And uh, he tracked her back down later and paid her back and... She got to check out his gold medal. He gave her a Jamaican shirt. All's well had, that ends well. I hate to be Johnny realist in this story, but like, wasn't he breaking some COVID protocols by doing all that? It was a, it wasn't a city cab. It was a uh, pre-authorized or something that was already affiliated with the, with the but maybe he was. Maybe the he odds, was. the odds that over the course of my life, I'll meet a Jamaican hurdler. Um, I'd say very high. Okay. I say more likely that you meet a Jamaican hurdler than you go to a Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. <laughs> so <clears throat> we'll we'll track that ongoing story. Yeah. Okay. As it develops. But uh speaking of ongoing stories, Tim Tebow, who oh. famously won the Heisman, played the quarterback oh. for a while, bounced around minor league baseball. We talked about he got it, get, gave a little shot at playing tight end, and uh, Jacksonville has released him. He is thankful for his opportunities there, and uh, he's done. I don't know if you've seen any footage of him, but he definitely blocked like a quarterback. Uh, I saw a couple of plays, and he just kind of ran into people and threw himself at him. And uh, blocking in football is definitely an art form. It's not something you just pick up in, in a couple of weeks. Was this all like a media stunt? That's my big question. Like, because what person, I mean, making the NFL is really hard to do. Like what person retires, goes and plays another sport for eight years and then says, you know what? I could play a different position in the NFL and make it happen. I'm just, it, to me, it seems like he just tried to, this was like a media thing for him to buy more of his brand. I mean, I think nine times out of 10, I would say it's a media thing, but I can't see any benefit for him because he was already an analyst on TV like this isn't giving him more street credit. This like hurts his image more. There's no upside of of going back to the NFL um, or the, the percentage of him being successful is very small. So I don't see that. I don't see it being I mean, it was basically a no risk for Jacksonville. I think you kind of know he's a, a powerful person in the locker room who can be a good leader showing leading by example by doing the right thing. But uh, it didn't work out. I think they didn't really lose much as far as money goes so it was an interesting experiment but it didn't work out and uh, i'm not super surprised and i don't can, think many people are either can you promise me that tim tebow is going to ride off into the sunset he had his baseball thing sure not. His football thing he's not going to like he's going to go do equestrian now or something like that he's going to become a, he's going to become your mma fighter do your youtube fights probably he might move into the MMA. He did dressage when he was in middle school. So I think he's already checked that off the box. Sticking to the NFL, some are calling it the greatest quarterback draft class since 1983, which, as you know, is headlined by Dan Marino and John Elway. Some are saying that Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones 
are headed directly to the NFL Hall of Fame without ever having to play a game. Andrew, how about that? I love it when people call the shot real early on. Hey, we played one preseason game. Let's uh, write the history books and let's not play the games. I'm not typically into the NFL fake season, otherwise known as preseason. But I was a little interested to see what these quarterbacks would do. Fields started for the Bears. He threw for 142 yards. He was 0 for 6 and then was 14 for 14. So he had a pretty good debut for the Bears. Here's the funny thing about him playing for the Bears. His backup are the presumed starters, Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket. So Mm -hmm. who wins that starting position? Fields or the Red Rocket? I think in week one, it'll be Andy Dalton. But I think after maybe four weeks, they'll get him in. I'm curious, what do you think? Because I remember in the 90s, and I guess even before that, if you're a rookie, like quarterback, you need two to three years before you can even get it, get into the game or understand the NFL level of, of complexity. But do you think it's because college offenses are modeled more after NFL offenses, quarterbacks can get in sooner? We all want it now, Andrew Keller. We want it now. We want our 18-year-old rookie quarterback that's been a phenom since he was 12 at the junior high camp. We want him to start now. We want it now. That's why. Potential injury be damned. Get in there, Trevor yeah. Lawrence, and get strip-sacked on your very first play from scrimmage. Is that what you're telling me? I am saying that. I just want to get to one other one, Trey Lance. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and there is just so much rage about this guy, Trey Lance. He played in like one game in the last two years in North Dakota State. He's 20 years old. He's taken on Jimmy Garoppolo to be the starting quarterback of the 49ers. He had a mixed game, but he had one pass and 80 yards. Like on his second possession, he chucked the ball 80 yards and scored a touchdown. So there's all sorts of excitement about this guy from North Dakota State who's 20 years old. Also, with the preseason games, like you're not playing against the full first string team. It's going to be a hodgepodge of people trying to make it. So like throwing a a deep pass is not necessarily indicative of how it goes. I mean, I I don't know if it's an art. Hopefully today's episode Tuesday of uh, Hard Knocks will give us some more insight to people on the bubble. We'll talk to you more about that later in the week. But uh, I don't know. I'm always skeptical of NFL preseason. Oh, An NFL preseason game is one of the last things I would ever want to attend. <laughs> That's just how I feel. Off soapbox now. Speaking of uh, writing history in the in the moment, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, is being claimed by Deadspin. He's uh, he's won he's won the MVP. He uh, he went four MVP. for five. Hmm? MVP. 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 He had his debut as an outfielder, went four for five, three runs scored, four RBIs, two home runs. I uh, he, he moved. He was a shortstop. He moved to outfield because I didn't realize this. He dislocated his shoulder five times in one year. So he had to have surgery. I don't know. I mean, yes, great offensive player. That's awesome. But I feel like shortstop is a lot more important than an outfielder like you're getting a lot more action so uh are you winning an mvp but just because of your offense or do you need to be a well-rounded defensive player as well i feel like you're staring at the weeds a little bit here no dude dislocated his shoulder sat out for a month in his first game back playing a different position he had two home runs the dude's amazing that is amazing but in the context of crowning him mvp I'm not willing to give him that yet. He had a great game. Let's talk about that. One of the best comeback games of all time, but I'm not going to hand out awards 
because someone went four for five. That's how I am. That's how You're I'm so stingy, calling. damn it. <laughs> no. I don't know. Did you happen to perchance to watch the Field of Dreams game last week? It was the Yankees and the White I Sox. Was, they it liked was very it? moving. I, oh, uh, I, very I moving. saw it, and then all of a sudden, this voice came in my head. Ray, people will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. And they, they just showed up. I don't know. It was weird. So I, I, I'm kind of confused. I don't think this – I think it was a fictional story, this Field of Dreams, about this guy hearing voices. He makes this uh, – baseball field in the middle of iowa it's it's not real right no have okay. you seen the movie i've seen the movie but it's just not real this guy didn't hear voices no okay well it's a fictional movie they actually made a real baseball field in the middle of a cornfield in dyersville iowa in 1989 you know kevin coster played this start in this movie yeah so then mlb right next to where they actually made this set of a baseball field in dyersville iowa built an 8,000 person stadium and they played a game last week between the Yankees and White Sox well they're going to do it again they're going to have the Reds and Cubs play a game there I think it would be cool I if I was anywhere near I I would go to this game yeah I think it was really cool it was cool watching them come out I say let's do it one of the it's one of the funny things is I was trying to explain to Nicole what Field of Dreams was she had never seen it and I was like, yeah, this guy builds a baseball field and a bunch of ghosts come out of the woodwork <laughs> and they play baseball. She's like, that sounds like a weird movie. I don't think I want to see that. It's a little bit more heartfelt than that, but uh, Mufasa's in there telling Kevin Costner what he should do. It was cool. Did you see them walking out of the cornfields for their intro? I, you know, I, it was cool, but just Kevin Costner, just like, hey, get out of the limelight. I kept talking. I was like, dude, it was just a movie. It was a fake movie. Stop talking. Well, Kevin Costner's number one in my book, so he can yeah. keep going okay. all he wants. Well, friend of the show, Carly Lloyd, what? has officially announced oh. her retirement from yeah. women's soccer. She's going to place a, a couple more uh, U.S. women's national team games for friendlies, and then she's going to finish up the rest of her season uh, with her uh, professional club in the U.S. And after 12 years, six different clubs, she's calling it quits. She has played in 312 international games, one of just four soccer players to more than play more than 300 games for her country. So many different accolades. She's great. I wish her the best. I'm excited. She came on her show twice. Mm -hmm. Like what other national soccer player would come on our little dog and pony show two times? She's the only guest that's ever come on more than once. So hey. I would say that Carly Lloyd's the best. I, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't know. Maybe she'll move into the booth or maybe she'll just hang out at her sweet place in New Jersey and just have a good old time. Maybe she'll go on, on tour with her husband. I don't know. I, I hate to like step in at this particular point, but she's like, you know, later on in her thirties, I'm assuming that she, she wants to like do the baby thing. Right. I mean, don't, don't, the, athletes female athletes start so they can maybe have the family going kind of thing i don't know I speculate Thanks. i don't know she might we were, okay. we'll follow her career that will be an ongoing story that we Thanks. track similar to you finding a jamaican athlete <laughs> meet in person carly lord oh, no, it wasn't jamaican athlete it was a jamaican um hurdler. hurdler yes yeah watch out for the hurdler i think i'm gonna end up at a super bowl before i meet a jamaican hurdler nope. david skins won the pinnacle bank championship to qualify on the out of the corn Ferry tour and earn his card 
for the PGA Tour skins during the pandemic was one of many people to experience financial struggles and started delivering on DoorDash to make ends meet to provide for his family. He's been on the, let's call it the double-A golf tour for 16 years. So he's now 39 years old and for the first time will be playing on the big golf tour. I think this is cool. Like his family obviously sacrificed for all these years for him to never give up and then finally get a shot where he's going to maybe probably earn some big money in theory on the PGA tour. Yeah. I mean, in theory, it, it kind of begs the question at what point are yeah. you is enough enough? Like at yeah. 35 as what, if he turned 40, was that going to be enough? Like, was he be- becoming delusional? I think it's a great story. I saw this picture of him, like kind of becoming overwhelmed. He's kind of back in the curtain and there's this wall of media trying to get a shot of him. And I know that one of your favorite things is a good story. I know. I want to know, are you comfortable shoving a camera in a man's face when he's crying? Definitely. We need, we need uh, evidence. Let's shove a camera right in some guy. You know what? I'd be like, Hey man, you need to go take care of yourself. Collect. This is a good moment for him. I don't, I don't think, I I don't like those cameras and and faces like that. To answer your question of when is, enough if your wife and family continue to support your dream and are eating cheerios and don't have food to survive but yet you can continue to play golf and they're behind you i suppose you never give up you never give up on your dream if your family's behind you so i guess the answer is you need to contact uh, cheerios to see if they'll sponsor you and that way you can chase your dream as long as you want for the record my wife would have let me chase my dream at the max 11 months she would have been she had pulled the plug at 11 months just for the record, I, that's how long I could have followed my dream. <laughs> all right. Well, it's not a very long Cheerio supply for your family, but uh, that's right. Well, Roger Federer has come out. He uh, is about to undergo his fifth knee surgery, nice. and uh, he made an announcement on his Instagram. Uh, to feel better, I will need to will need surgery, so I decided to do it. I'll be on crutches for, for many weeks and then also uh, out of the game for many months. He's going to be out of the game for many months. He is 40 years old. He is still chasing his dream for greatness. We're not sure how things are going to turn out for Roger Federer. But do you think after he comes back for this, let's say it's six months, is he going to do anything in tennis and make an impact in a meaningful way? I guess I would measure that by being in a finals of a Grand Slam again. Doesn't that just bum you out that, like, I've loved Roger Federer for a long time. I just think he's a great, obviously you're a bigger tennis fan than I am. You, you obviously have, he's the dominance over the sport is long last. Don't you just feel bummed out that these athletes just stick around and grind themselves into something not as great as they used to. Shouldn't he just gone out four years ago on top and said, peace out, going to play golf. That's the opposite of any mentality of an elite athlete true because you think you're going to be the best and you will be i mean he's right now i think he's either seventh or ninth in the world like he's still even like kind of hobbling through stuff is a very meaningful player so uh i guess maybe his career unless he decides not to come back from the surgery like he'll just fade into he'll slowly go down the ranks i mean we talked about phil mickelson a couple months ago like he was ranked 119 and then he wins a tournament so it's like you could, you could say that Phil should have gone on t- out on top five years ago or whenever he was higher ranked, but uh, he could come back. I, I think it's a little bit more difficult in tennis, but who knows? Let me just say for the record, there's no right 
a wrong answer, but I would have gone the Pete Sampras route, gone out on top, married a Hollywood actress, and kicked it in Beverly Hills for the rest of my life. That's just me, Larry Olson. Well, you'd have to work on your arm hair and eyebrows. Yes. The Pete Sampras delight thing going. Or you could just uh, focus on your baseball card collection. Uh The record... The record for the most expensive card sold just went up. A T206 Hornets Wagner baseball card sold for $6.6 million, which shatters the record from earlier this year. A uh, Mickey Mantle card from 1952 sold for $5.2 million in January. The uh, Wagner baseball card is one of the most rare. It was issued by a tobacco company. For a couple of years and Wagner did not want them to produce the card um, either because he didn't want people to promote smoking or because he wasn't getting paid enough. But it's estimated that only 50 between 50 and 200 were distributed. Pretty cool. I don't know if I'd pay six million dollars for a baseball card, but uh, maybe you would. You know, far be it for me to be the idealist here, but a dude just spent $6.6 million for a card that he's going to put in a folder. Couldn't there be a better way to spend your money? Find a cure for cancer, make a donation to City Hope. Isn't there a better way to spend $6.6 million to buy a baseball card? Specifically donate to City Hope. I, I'm guessing it's framed or it's being displayed somewhere. Surprise, surprise, the buyer and the seller both want to remain anonymous. Um, I think I'd want to remain anonymous if I'm spending $6.6 million on the card because people start maybe hitting you up yeah, like, hey, can uh, I got a business idea I'd like to run by you? Does it involve gremlins? Yes. Okay. We have a we have a gremlin business that's getting going. This has been Sports Best. Thanks for tuning in. Larry's gonna go shine up his gold medal, and we will see you next time.